Uh, I apologize if I have issues this morning. Um, my tablet's being funny. So um, hopefully it doesn't crash on me whenever I'm going through all my notes and so forth. Um, so today's sermon, um, I chose to do Love One Another, being that it fits right in with the times that we're about to go into and so forth. Um, I probably went through three or four different topics until I hit this one and it kind of stuck. And on Friday, Tracy and I went to go see the movie Creed. And um, there were some themes throughout that kind of helped solidify it for me so that I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go with love one another. It makes sense. Um, so I'll be using uh, Matthew uh, chapter 22, 34 through 40 to go through this, and I'm reading out of the NLT. Uh, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Hmm. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So, does anyone have a guess at how many laws are actually in the Bible? A lot? Yes, a lot. (laughs) hundred what? No, much more. Yeah, there are over 600 laws in the Bible. So whenever you start thinking about how many laws there actually are, it kind of makes you think of, okay, well, the Bible is saying, don't do this. Don't do that. And it's easy how people can always think about, okay, well, the Bible is just about rules and regulations, not necessarily how to treat each other. Um. So the first portion of that scripture actually comes from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 5. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And then the second portion comes from Leviticus 19.18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. Um... Jesus said that if we truly love God and our neighbor, that we will naturally keep those other 600 laws. Um, So rather than focusing on all the 600, if we just focus on loving God first and foremost, and then loving one another, everything just falls into place. So rather than worrying about what we shouldn't do, we should concentrate on all that we can do to show our love for God and for others. Uh, Thankfully, throughout the entire Bible, we have plenty of examples to show us how to do this. Um, For the first one, I I tried to break these down into categories. So we have parents to children. So um, we have the prodigal son, which uh, he's maybe a little bit of a spoiled brat or something. Um, He wants what he wants, and he wants it now. And doesn't care about anyone else. Um, His father's still alive, and he's like, well, I don't care that you're alive. I want my property. So the father obliges. Why? I have no clue. If I was a dad, I'd be like, you're waiting. So (laughs) 
So uh, the father goes off and gives his property or his share over to that son. And the son goes off and gibbles everything away. Um, he ends up being at his lowest point where he's worth less than all the animals that he takes care of. Um, he's feeding pigs for a local farmer, and he's not even allowed to eat the slop that they eat. So he's extremely low on the totem pole. Uh, so he decides that he's going to end up going back home to see his father, and he's going to work for his father as a servant. He's doing like this little conversation in his head, and he's like, yeah, it's going to be a lot easier and better for me if I just go work for my father and be a servant. Now, if I was a father and I was having him come back telling me, oh, I'm going to be your servant and um, everything that I just gave to you, you threw away and so forth, um, yeah, I'd let him be a servant. I would. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that, that shows how flawed I am, I guess. So uh, rather than doing that, in Luke 15, 20 through 24, we get to see how the father actually responds and how we should respond regardless of what our kids put us through, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robes in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fat fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found." So the party began. So th this is a great example of how we should treat our kids. And this was actually Jesus talking with a parable. And whenever you actually get down to the deeper meaning of it, it's not just how we should treat our kids. It's that really about how God looks at us. So either, even though we disobey and we make mistakes and so forth, He's always seeking us out, and whenever we return to him, he's always there with open arms. Um, wish I could say the same about myself. Okay, so the section, uh, the second section I have, I forgot to start my timer. Whoops. Wrong way. Okay. Okay, so the second section I have is children to their parents. And parents want their kids to listen to them, right? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that at some point I would have been like what I say is the law. That's it. But now I have Tracy to help even me out. <laughs> okay, so with uh, children loving their parents, we have the example of Joseph. Um, Joseph was the youngest of his brothers, and he was sold off to slavery. So, being me again, I'd be extremely bitter. I would be upset with my brothers and probably my parents, um, just because they happen to be the parents of my brothers as well. So, 
be like, you should have trained him better, you know. Um, so he was sold off to slavery, and then he defied all odds put against him. Um, he ended up being the overseer of all of Pharaoh's land and so forth. Um, so r- rather than Joseph being me, <laughs> he was very loving to his brothers and his father. Um, so much so that whenever he was reunited with his father, he actually cries on his shoulder. And I kind of think that whenever he was crying on his shoulder, it lasted a while. Um, I oh yeah, I did include that. Cool. Um, so in Genesis 46, 28 through 30, as they neared their destination, Jacob sent Judah ahead to meet Joseph and get directions to the region of Goshen. I'm sorry if I don't pronounce that right. <laughs> uh, and when they finally arrived there, Joseph prepared his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father, Jacob. When Joseph arrived, he embraced his father and wept, holding him for a long time. Finally, Jacob said to Joseph, Now I'm ready to die since I have seen your face again and know you are still alive. So they held for a long time, and then finally this spoke. So I'm imagining like it's a couple minutes that they're like crying over each other. So I, there, there was a lot of emotion and thankfulness to have his father back around. Um, nice whenever you actually have a parent that's like you haven't seen for a while, and it's like, oh, they're here. Woo! Um, but really, we should always be like that. We should always be like, thank you for being here. Um, Tracy and her parents set a great example for me. Um, they communicate to me what is a lot. Um, I, I've never really seen a family communicate as much as they do. Um, my family's kind of like very distant. So seeing her and her mom and her dad and how close they are and how often they talk um, kind of kicks me every now and then to be like, okay, I should probably call my mom at some point. So, so mom, if you're watching, I love you. <laughs> okay, and then we have our in-laws sitting right over there. <laughs> uh, we have a great example with Ruth. Um, her husband died, and Naomi kept telling her to go back home. Like, leave me. You don't owe me anything. Um, rather than listening to Naomi, Ruth took the stance that Naomi is her family, just like Barb and Jim are my family. Um, so in Ruth 1, we have verses 16 through 18. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. I don't know many people that really exemplify this um, 
with their in-laws. A lot of the times I hear a kind of like a crack or a joke about the in-laws and so forth. And I, I can't really relate just because they've been so nice. Um, I'm not saying that just because they're here. <laughs> um, it, it, it's really nice to actually have um, in-laws that you can love and make, they make it easy for you to love them. But regardless whether they make it easy or not, because, I mean, Naomi was trying to, like, essentially, like, kick her down the road, like, go, leave me, I'm horrible. Um, I think Naomi actually means, like, bitter. I'm pretty sure. So she was really in a sour point. So you could imagine whenever she's talking to Ruth, and I do not know the other woman's name that was her daughter-in-law, she was probably like, you know, you really need to leave right now. And she was probably not very polite about it. And regardless of the fact, Ruth is like, no, I'm here with you. It's like, we're going to walk through this together. Um, just because you lost your son doesn't mean you're also going to lose me and not have a family. So she really exemplifies what we should be to our mother, father-in-laws, and grandparents, and so forth. Okay, the next session I have is on strangers, which I don't know why I like really focusing on strangers. Um, Maybe it's because whenever um, I think about one of the Jesus' teachings was that it's better to give to someone that can't give back to you because that way you're not trying to keep score. So maybe that's why I like focusing on strangers. Not sure. <laughs> um, but with strangers, we do have uh, in Luke 10, 30 through 37, the tale of the Good Samaritan. Uh, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. With that section, there are often times when we, we, we know we're supposed to treat each other as we want to be treated. But a lot of times it's extremely hard to be like, okay, well, I'm going to go help out this person, which I have no clue who they are, and um, I don't know what they may do to me. So if you see someone driving down the, or walking down the road, I'm not going to pick them up because they might slip my throat. At least I've heard that said quite a bit. Um, but I'm still alive. <laughs> uh, so, so it's extremely easy to be like the priest and actually not listen to what we feel God should actually do to us and, or not do to us, um, has told us and the way we should approach other people. Um, then a despised Samaritan came along, and we, when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. 
Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go home and do the same. So rather than listening to everything that we hear hear from the world, we should really go out and try and make a difference to those people um, that are struggling, whether it's financially or just emotionally or whatnot. Um, we should really treat them as we would want to be treated. And there was a philosopher, I didn't write it down in my, no- in my notes, I should have. Um, it was a really good quote. But he was saying about um, whenever it came down to the commandments that he viewed the commandments in three phases of you should love one another, you should love one another, you should love one another. And the middle one was actually you should love someone else through God because it's so easy to be like, well, I don't love myself, so how can I love someone else? But if you love God, God can do the loving to the other person. So it was really interesting um, reading that I had with that, and that was from the 1800s. So whoever says that there's nothing good in the old days is wrong. (laughs) Okay, next we have country, which we are so passionate about, right? USA. Uh, with this, we have uh, Esther, which is a great story. Um, she was actually the first DVD that I bought for watching on TV. Um, if anyone wants to borrow it, I have it. Uh, but it's a great story that's in the Bible. Um, she she was kind of hidden whenever the king was requesting for all the virgins in the land, and he didn't know that she was an Israelite, which is actually quite important to know about someone. Um, could you imagine if, like, I came in, I married Tracy, she's saying, I'm a Christian, and I'm like, I'm a Christian too. A couple months down the road, I'm like, well, I'm actually Buddhist. Uh, it... It would make a huge difference in the way that she would probably look at me and be like, oh, I thought we had this in common, but we don't. This is a little weird. (laughs) So she had that whole aspect going against her, and then she has Mordecai, which is essentially a father figure to her. Um, I'm not sure if there's any relation between her and Mordecai, other than he was taking care of her and being more like a father. Um, there was a law put into effect by the king to kill all the Israelites. And Mordecai wants her to essentially expose herself, say, you know, I'm an Israelite, you're trying to kill my people, and on top of that, I want you to go into the king's inner court 
and tell him, even though if you walk into the inner court and the king doesn't want you to be there, you can die immediately. So what Esther does in doing so and actually trying to defend her people is extremely amazing. Um, I'm not sure I could do that. And I've been in the military and it's like, okay, would I die for the person to the left and right of me? Okay, sure, not a big deal. You have a connection with the people that are around you. But to say, okay, well, the entire country wants you to go in there because of Mordecai, um, I'm not sure I could do that so much. I'd be like, can I write a letter? <laughs> I, I mean, it's much safer. Yeah, call over the phone, send a text. You know, I, I could post it on Facebook. We could get a bunch of likes and shares, send it out to the world. Yeah, that's a lot safer to me. Uh, but instead, um, Esther goes into the king's court and he recognizes her, and then she has him over for dinner. You know, what better way to sway someone to your side than give him food? It would work for me. <laughs> so um, she goes, has him over, and she puts herself out on a limb, walking to the inner court, making sure he gets food, and then asking him to spare her people, and then he's like, what are you talking about, your people? It's like, we're your people. And she's like, the Israelites, they are my people. I am an Israelite. Which, I mean, going back to the Buddhist example, I mean, could you imagine that? It's like, oh, you're an Israelite. Wait, I love you. Whoo! Okay. So, um, he actually listens to her, which is a great thing for a husband to do with a wife. Sometimes you have to listen. <sighs> yes, um, I'm stubborn at times. I don't always listen. What? Yes, you're very persistent. Yes, I'm learning. I'll get there one day. Okay, and then we have a worldly example, which, what better example than Jesus dying for us on the cross? Dying for, essentially, people that are going to wrong him. Um, for the people that would beat him and to give him a, what is it, the sponge filled with, essentially, vinegar, to his mouth, and he's still saying, I forgive you. I mean, what better way to show love than to forgive one another? And now to my ending. How far did I make it? <laughs> Ooh, yes. I got three minutes for this. <laughs> I really thought I wasn't even going to make it this far. Okay, so the last scripture I have to end with is 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy 
and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So don't gain anything. Love. That's probably the most important thing that God has commanded us to do. Go out, love one another. So if you go out shopping, don't tackle each other trying to fight for the last gift. Let someone else have it. I mean, maybe it's more important for their child to have whatever gift or their husband or wife, daughter, whatever. Just go out, love, show mercy. Okay, let us stand. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Lord, thank you for all your great blessings that you've bestowed upon us. And please help us to go out and show your word to everyone else and to love on them and show them kindness and be great examples of who you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.